Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Craig Smith, a.k.a. The Rhino, a.k.a. former NBA vet and Big 3 assassin, and you are now listening to Triple Overtime. From tip-off to buzzer beater. Kick-off to Hail Mary. This is Triple Overtime. Welcome back to Triple Overtime. It's your boy Cliff here with the squad. Shout out to Tony and Tiago. Yeah, what's up? That's good. Today we have a very special guest, Boston College legend and NBA vet, Craig Smith. Thanks for having me, man. I really, really appreciate it, guys. And, you know, just before we get started, just so the people can know your background, I went to school in Boston, so I know a lot about you. I've actually been on Boston College campus, so I've got to see the work that you that you did when you were, when you were up there. And so uh, I just want to take a moment to just commend you for an amazing, amazing college career. What you did was amazing, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Uh, I had fun. I was an inner city L.A. kid going uh, across the country to Boston, and which to me was it was very different, especially weather wise. And I'm very spoiled <laughs> with weather growing up with a lot of sunshine and and uh, to go out there and toughen it out. I think it really made me a better, uh, better human being overall. We're, we all three live in Florida, bro. So we. <laughs> we understand being spoiled with weather, bro. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, it's different on the East Coast, yeah. though. It's very, very different. The Boston winters, they, they get you right. They'll get you right real quick. Uh, <laughs> my first week there is a blizzard. So <laughs> broke you broke you right in then. <laughs> right in. I'm I missed the class. I got a call from Coach Skinner. He's like, what's going on? I'm like, dude, this is different out yeah, here, okay? Man. I touch the window, it's freezing. <laughs> Speaking about, you know, Boston College and your experience there, uh, we would love to hear about some of your favorite moments that you had while you were uh, attending. Or some of my favorite moments, I think uh, my last year in the Big East, I thought that was special because we started off the season 20-0. and 0. Um, Obviously, we felt like we could have done better in the postseason, but I think just to have that, um, because I, I felt like we were getting a lot of hatred for us leaving, even though it wasn't really us, you know, as the players. Mm-hmm. Um, Another another moment is of going into the ACC and going into a new territory that, you know, we've known the Big East for three plus years and to now be in a totally new league um, was something cool and it was motivational. We started off tough at 0-3, finished real strong and got into the ACC tournament, um, which was real, real good. But I think one pivotal game for us was um, it was a rematch against North Carolina State. And uh, I think that was one of my best games ever to me because I was I had food poisoning from the night before. Being a college student, yeah. you know, you think to get some fast food and ended up with food poisoning. I, I threw it before the game and at halftime. And um, just to overcome that, because it was such a pivotal win for us to put us in a situation to get a bye. Um, so that was that was a really good moment for myself and and I know for the team cuz we ended up winning in double overtime. That's dope, man. I mean, it's it's amazing to see what you accomplished in your time there. And one thing I want to speak to you about too is uh I see you just looking at your your career there at Boston College. You're one of the few players looking back now that we think about it that well, when we consider the players now, you did four four full years at Boston College. We can see today that's not very common in players. Uh, could you speak to how that those four years shaped you and helped you to get, prepare you for the for the NBA? Absolutely. I think 
the uh, those years really helped me mature a little bit more. Um, I was still a little bit young minded and I, I needed to get my body right. I, I came in, I was a little bit of a chubby guy and I kind of understood the work ethic I needed to put in to be at my best. And I think during the course of each and every year, I would see myself mature um, from my freshman into my senior year, um, which is, you know, you know, really, really different as far as, you know, guys really accepting that challenge. And I mean, I had a guy by the name of Troy Bell who was with me um, my freshman year was a senior. And I mean, just following those guidelines, I think really motivated me. And plus it was just like, I, I always wanted to do my four years and be out. I didn't want to come back either. Gotcha. I think it was something that I owed to my grandmother. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you do think back and it's like, man, I was damn near a 20 point score my freshman year. I could have been out of there. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's just how it is. Um, you have a, an advantage or an edge that people would want to see you go professional or be a professional at an earlier age. And I think that's just the age and you know what we're going with, because it's just like if you're if you're fit for the league, you might as well go. I mean, before even before that happened and there was an era where, you know, guys would come out of high school. But then it was a point where everybody felt they should come out of high school. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't think the case because some people need to mature you know more than others especially at that age of coming out of high school and just for me I just I love the atmosphere of being in school um loving to go to class because we were really one of the main schools we really had to go to class or you know we would end up being in trouble mm -hmm. so it was it was a point to go to class networking with friends that I feel like are so important today in the, in the scheme of things because I had a lot of people that, you know, I always made sure I meshed around and hung out with some of my roommates or, you know, just introduced my people to my classmates or just while even hanging in the cafeteria. And I feel like it, it does a wonder now because I feel like there's such a, a really good community in BC where, you know, I still talk to a, a lot of guys from my school. Mm -hmm. So it was just a mixture of that and, and the competition of getting better each and every day. I mean, I'm going against guys. Ryan Gomes, Hakeem Warwick, Rudy Gay, Charlie Villanueva, mm -hmm. uh, Sheldon yeah. Williams, J.J. Reddick. So I feel like we really had a good mode of competition, too, to where it was just like, you know, we kind of make each other better out here. And, I mean, it's almost comparable in the sense to a league-like atmosphere because of those type of players. Exactly. You know? And you had that dedication to the school because J.J. was a four-year player, too, over at Duke, and he ended up, he ended up breaking a lot of records uh out that way too yeah absolutely jj man he was he was a beast man he was he was a straight shooter but i i liked him i liked his toughness in college at duke he didn't really back down from anybody and always really accepted the challenge mm -hmm. and i felt like that's what helped him along the way today because i know coming out of um duke and having so much success he had to sit down and actually watch and observe the game for like a year or two something mm -hmm. like that so I know that could have been tough on him, but I know he's a strong individual. That's why he's still in there battling tough. And speaking of uh, records and, and breaking records, yeah, Troy Bell, you mentioned him earlier. Um, I know he's, if not mistaken, he's the he's the all-time leading scorer at Boston College. Oh, and right. I, Nobody's. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I mean, but you're right there. You're number two. You're number two. You're right there. Yeah, but I mean, this dude was making and one threes, and he would like. And during my senior, during my freshman year, he was making making one like every game or every other game. So it's like, how am I gonna beat that? <laughs> Troy was a guy who low key was ahead of his time. Mm-hmm. You think about all the scoring guards we have in the NBA today. And I feel like Troy fits right in that mold mm. of a guy who has a, a three-point knockdown shot, can get his shot at any point, can really penetrate the defense and make plays, you mm. know? So that dude, I don't think people going to beat that record. <laughs> it's tough. It's honest. tough. Another ode to you, like you're one of the few people in college basketball history to have 2,000 points and 1,000 rebounds. That's crazy, man. That's crazy. Like, that's big ups to that. Just blessed and and – thankful that I had the right chip on my shoulder to help motivate me to do, you know, some special things at BC. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to really show people that I'm a great division one player because I coming out of high school and actually like my junior year, I had um, Oregon state had resent a scholarship and didn't think I was going to be able to play uh, basketball at the collegiate level. So I just wanted to prove all my doubters wrong and, and really do something special where I felt like I had an avenue and a lane for it. And that was at BC. That's awesome. That's awesome. Oh yeah, for sure. Because, you know, obviously you had this fantastic career uh, over in Boston college, but kind of transitioning into the NBA a lot. Of, and like you mentioned before, a lot of these kids now it, it's one and done. It's about getting to the league. It's about rushing to the league. And unfortunately, sometimes you see these kids, they come in, and quite frankly, they're not they're not ready for the league, right? They came in too early. So I want to ask you, as someone as a four year player, as someone who, who who took time to learn and develop their game, what was your draft day experience like? How did you how did you make that transition? Well, I felt like it was a pretty easy transition by having uh, a coach like like Al Skinner. Many we really had league practices, but didn't really know that until we got into the the process, and it was just really really simple. I think the the main thing for me was um, I wasn't able to work out in the draft workouts. So that's why I really felt like I was I got picked second round because I didn't have an opportunity to continue to show people how well my game is against the top talent that was being drafted at the time. But thankfully, um, I got drafted. And I think my thing was it was it was big about confidence, having Big confidence coming from two different powerhouse leagues in in college. Mm -hmm. Um, Having a coach like Al Skinner where he ran certain practices. So when I would be able to get taught the the strategies or different things from other coaches in the league, it was really similar to me. And I had understanding of it already. And I think that's some of the things that are like really, really important. Because I mean, in high school, sometimes it can be just like pick up basketball. You can just go and be dunking on fools and different that. But when you're you're taught defensive strategies, principles, timing, where you have to be in certain situations, where you actually have to think about these things. I think that's why it's really important for the young guys to really understand the game because it's just not about putting the basketball in the hoop. And, and I always say this, when you become a professional, it's almost like, you know, when you're a dancer and you go in there and you got to learn that routine once. And if you mess up at any time during that routine, you're probably going to get cut. Mm -hmm. So that's Mm -hmm. in the same sense of basketball to where, Hey, if a coach tries to tell you something in the run of play, I'm going to show you this play once. And if you don't know it, then I don't know if you can just pick things up on the fly like that. And I think just by having the maturity of that and understanding the game for so long, 
those things just really were simple to me and I was just able to mesh right in and um, meshing in and getting respects from people my rookie year, like Kevin Garnett, Ricky Davis, Tritton Hassel, you know, playing out there with those guys and those guys I've watched on TV since I was a kid. So um, I think that's what definitely, definitely uh, helped me along my way, just having those um, type of people around me and then just having to understand these certain principles in the game and really trying to be a student of the game. For sure, man. Even looking at your numbers, it seemed like, you know, like by year three, even a little sooner, you were just, you were just right there. It's like, it's like you had been a vet, you know, this whole time. But it's funny in, in Minnesota too, because I, I kind of wanted to ask you, because it's funny, we, we kind of see him now talking about Kevin Love and in Cleveland. Uh, sometimes there's memes because it's like I don't even recognize the dude anymore. He looks totally different. Now your last year in Minnesota was was Kevin Love's rookie year. So so talk to me about about him a little bit if you can. Like what do you see a difference in? Because you saw him firsthand. So so what was he like? The dude looks like a model right now. <laughs> I'm so proud of Kevin, man, because he's a very very hard worker. And he and since day one, I. I felt that sense in him that he always wanted to get better. And then I, you know, I try to take him on um, by him being my rook to understanding what it is to do in the weight room. So we would be in the weight room early, you know, cause I understand he, he always wanted to continue to get better, especially within his body. And I mean, he was, he was already a, a hell of a rebounder when he got there. He was already a hell of a passer. I mean, he's got like that quarterback skill when he could throw it from out of bounds Landed on it's point crazy. to somebody. I mean, you can't teach that sometimes, you know? And for him to already have that, just know he just needed these couple things to critique because his minutes are going to start improving. You know, he's going to start being able to really be free out there versus restricted, you know? Because when you're young, trying to learn, you're going to be restricted. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, he came from a basketball family, so it already was already trying to connect. And I think just just having that opportunity with him was was really, really cool because, you know, we were almost about to make some really special things happen until they broke us all up. But you can see this the specialty in him and how he was going to be a star. For sure, man. And that's a shame with Minnesota, man. Like we talk about it on the podcast all the time, like it's like every time they're almost there, you know, it's like they can't quite mix <laughs> it up, man. And it's just unfortunate. I mean, I had to deal with a guy, I mean, dealing with having Kevin Garnett my whole year and being able to understand the game from him, I was greedy because I felt like I was, I wanted that more each and every year because I thought it was going to make me so much better to lose him than to get Al Jefferson and Ryan and, and Kevin Love and those guys in there. It was just like we made each other better because obviously we had to continue to battle. But then that third year, we were really understanding and when Kevin McHale took over, it was like, oh, I think we have something to come in here to build towards next year. But, you know, it's a business. It happens. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah, unfortunately. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, going back to when you first came into the league, because it seems like everybody has that one moment where they came in and it's like, welcome to the league, you know, whether you get busted <laughs> on by somebody or you get something happened. So I kind of want to ask you that. What was your moment where, where either somebody just got, and you just realized you're like, yo, this is, this is NBA. Yeah, I mean, there's a few moments. I feel like there was always that first day um, we had pickup. You know, you go in there and you see all the faces for the first time. You really see the team. Then you see KG and he's like eight feet tall. 
ducking through the doors. Like, this isn't TV. This is really how he is. Like, okay. You know, to having an opportunity where he guards me in the first play. Obviously, I make the bucket. And I'm like. Obviously. Um, <laughs> Obviously. In my mind, because, I mean, it, you're confident. You're just like, you don't care who's in front of you, you know. Oh, I'm with you. I'm with you. You got to do that. So I felt like, for me. I didn't think he knew my handle. He thought I was just a rebounder. So I'm over here, you know, it's pickup. I'm just being free, not thinking of any noise outside. I hit him with a little move. I go up, I'm like, yo, I can't lay this up. I lay this up, he's gonna cuss me out. They're gonna take me out. I gotta go up and dunk this. I go up and dunk it, I get my little scream. I see he's like, okay, okay. I don't score the next, the whole game. I was like, I thought I was good. And then it was just like, oh, okay, damn, you're really strong. Yep. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> another one was, I think, was Vladimir Romanovich. Romanovich, he was playing for the Lakers. I'm like, I got this guy. I didn't know he was a little bit that quick. He had hit like eight buckets in a row on me. He had to call a timeout. And I'm like, yo, what is going on? I got I to gotta lock in a little bit more. Because I'm just, you know, I'm giving him space. I'm like, you know. I don't think he liked that, but he, yeah, he served me up them eight straight buckets real quick, and they went on and and got a big lead. But um, those are the two moments Tim. I remember for sure. And I can't, I mean, I can't forget guy like, I mean, playing against Tim Duncan, you know, and he's he's at the we're all at the free throw line, and you know we're getting ready to rebound. And all of a sudden, you just hear a voice out of nowhere like, "Man, I'm about to windmill this." <laughs> 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 just little funny things like that. Like I would never thought I would hear Tim Duncan say some some crap like that. But is he really like super nice? Like he's really just like that. It's like a nice guy. Super nice, super cool. I mean, majority of these guys, which people don't understand, are really really cool. And I think when you get a part of the brotherhood, you know, it's a little acceptance. So you know, you get to have a conversation or two with them. So I mean, those those type of points. And I mean, maybe another one would be like Dirk. You know, I felt like the first, when there was one first half, I was doing a good job. Dirk only had like five points. And Dirk comes out with like two threes, a little fade away with the knee up. I'm like, damn, I wasn't going to hey, be able to keep you cold for long. He just started laughing like, yeah, man. <laughs> Dang, that's crazy, man. Well, well then, look, because it happens to everybody, right? So, obviously, you're talking about Tim. You're talking about Dirk. Who would you say without a doubt, was the hardest person you ever had to guard? Oh, the hardest person I ever had to guard. That you just like, yo, this, there's uh, nothing I can do. Probably would be like, yeah. I mean, when you're getting the switches on Kobe or T-Mac, <laughs> you know, those are a little <laughs> bit different, you know? So I say, like, those guys, I felt like they were really tough because they would just pull something out of the hat, man, which be something different. You think you got them locked up here, like, all right, I cut them off baseline. And then they do some type of footwork or some type of move. And it's like, yo, I got to watch the film of that because I got to I gotta understand what they actually did. <laughs> that was the toughest part. And I, and I will also say Rasheed Wallace. I mean, just he just knew it. I remember it was like a jump ball scenario. We just started the game. We running down. Uh, he already told me I got a mouse in the house. And I'm like, oh, hell no. Nah. <laughs> Who do you think he's talking to? He gets it off the block. He's chilling like, look, dude, I'm about to hit you with this cold turnaround. Splat, I told you. 
Rashid, Rashid always been grimy though. Like he just that dirty work. That dirt, like he that's what he does. He just does all the stuff nobody wants to do. And I love it. You know what I'm saying? So it was just like for me, it's it's a it's a challenge in a sense, you know. But at the same time, I mean, this dude's in the league for a reason. He's all star for a reason. He's a champion for a reason, and he can back it up. And I always thought that was special. You talk the talk, but you walk the walk too. You know what I'm saying? And playing against those guys, they definitely did both. That's what's up. Yeah, that's crazy. What's one thing if you could tell, you know, fans, you know, the three of us, we're just, we're pretty much just fans, man. Like, we just started this podcast at the beginning of the year. We're having a great time with it. We're talking to a lot of people. But what's one thing you could tell fans about being a professional athlete? Um, one thing, that's a really good question because I feel like there's, I think um, you really have to be a student of the game and have understanding. And I think it goes it goes in a, in different situations from learning your own offense to learning how refs make calls. I think those are very big things. Um, not only that, um, defensive strategies to being able to to outwork your opponent. I feel like I've always had to be a double worker in a sense. I had to make sure I had to get my work in in practice, outside of practice, after and before. So. That mental, I think they don't, what I would want them to probably understand is the, the, ment- the mindset of an NBA player, how hard you got to work, how really you got to be focused in on um, taking care of your body. Time, putting in time for the game and sometimes not having the opportunity to be around family and friends. I mean, we play this game on Thanksgiving and on Christmas. So I think just to understand how players think. I think we think a little bit differently, but at the same time, it's it's kind of all the same in a sense because we're all basketball players. Sometimes we all do a mixture of the same things, but um, I would definitely say the the mindset, just, just having an understanding a little bit more of what people go through. And they're not necessarily always superheroes, you know, and I feel like sometimes fans can overstep their boundaries when I feel like, if you were put out here in this situation, I don't know how you would survive. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. yeah, we had a, we had a conversation, a uh, uh, very similar conversation about uh, the WNBA actually with uh, uh, Christine Williamson from ESPN a couple weeks ago about uh, guys not being able to survive if they had to play against WNBA players, and you know, but they they will ever believe they're on Twitter just type 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 in a way type in a way, and, and let's be honest, I feel. And I have an understanding that women have a better shot than guys because of because of this muscle underneath their shoulder. It's a little bit more pure for them. That's why they have a little bit more mm-hmm. cash in the jump shot. You see uh, college basketball when they do the three-point shooting. Majority of the time, those girls be winning when they started doing that, that competition at the end. Mm-hmm. So it's just like you can't never take away from a woman's game. I mean, my mom showed me how to play the game of basketball. So I, I have an under, understanding of that, and I'm a big fan of, of women because they put they pour a little bit more emotion into it as well in the game. Very, very um, emotionally driven, you know, and especially when you think, you know, that people can take take advantage of you or go at you. I mean, I don't know. Like, just saying Brittany, Brittany Griner. Mm-hmm. I mean, guys, let's be honest, that's, that's on social media platforms can really say they can go get a bucket against her. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Right. yeah, I wouldn't yeah, I want, want no part of that. That's a one-on-one. That's a one-on-one. I'm a miss, bro. 
Like I'm six five and I'm confident, but I, I ain't that confident. <laughs> all right. So you've had a very unique basketball experience. Um, you've played all around the world from, you know, in the NBA in America to Israel, Hong Kong. Like what's your favorite? What was, what's been your favorite franchise? And if you don't want to say franchise, what's your favorite place to play? And then, uh, I am going to make you name one name. Who's your favorite teammate? I mean, having the opportunity to come back home and play, I mean, that's something that I will forever be grateful for, to see my family and friends and have the opportunity to play in my own city. That's always going to be something to hold dear to my heart. I've had different experiences that were very great at the same time between Israel and China. Like, I love both of those places. I mean, Israel, in a sense, it's always kind of warm, like L.A. Um, a lot of people um, speak uh, English, um, and I really want to understand the culture a little bit more, and it's got a lot of history, especially living in Jerusalem. Um, I can't take nothing away from that. That was so dope of an experience. Um, also in China, though, I mean, we had, like in China, we had like this big NBA jet bus you know, we would take it to the games or we would take it to, um, obviously we had to fly and the airport would be like an hour away. So we had those, but not only that, we got to see like pretty cool museums um, out there, like a lot of cool team gatherings. And I thought that was really cool and, and really, really special. And it just showed me a different aspect of China. Um, Israel, I have friends and family to this day that I that I talk to I feel like each experience for me is definitely something I hold dear because I mean I I still talk to these people till today you know and we still have a great rapport and I think that's just what it's about understanding different cultures and um obviously making friends and family and and, and those type of situations out of it now my favorite teammate <laughs> Craig Smith, citizen of the world. Who's your favorite teammate, oh, bro? <laughs> Do I? All right. So if I'm in different regions, can I say I'm in different regions? It's got to be one total. One name, dog. Yeah. Oh, we don't do tough. political answers, man. We ain't going to make you run for <laughs> office here. I'm going to be honest, man. I always love the DeAndre Jordan's, um, his mindset and his attitude, man. He's a fun guy and a hard worker. And I felt mm -hmm. like he always made me laugh. Um, mm -hmm. So I'll probably say DeAndre. That's a that's a good answer. That's a good that's answer. A good that's answer. a good answer. I'm, well, I'm gonna double down on that. You were at BC for four years. Out of all your teammates, you had a lot of guys come in, a lot of guys go. Who did you have the most fun with? I had the most fun with my roommate Lewis Hennett because he was he was my teammate, but he was my roommate for all four years. Oh, oh that's so dope. you got a bunch of that's trouble. Dope. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's dope. Bro, we we've all three been to college, man. We don't need a lot. You can't forget about Jared, man, because Jared. Jared is a fun guy. JD, shout out to JD. Yeah, man. Jared's a, a real fun guy. And, um, just always knew what to say at the given moments, man, to make people laugh. And just what he does right now on the social media platform. I mean, the guy's a guru, you know what I'm saying, when it comes to that. So JD was always fun. That's cool, <laughs> bro. <laughs> so um, so as your, your basketball career progresses and, and uh, you know, your experiences change, um, the past couple of years, the big three, has become a thing and you've been a part of that so we would like to hear like you know how's your experience been in the big three like did you foresee it becoming so big and so like like like, like I, I watched the big three like i watched the nba like i'm waiting to check out what y'all doing yeah i think i think they had something 
great, Ice Cube and Jeff. And they really were doing something good. I seen the first two years and I felt like the third year, I really, really wanted to be a part of it because I just had an itch to play the game still. And I felt like I can still play basketball at a high level. So just going into the into that league, it almost felt like a refreshness of being back in the NBA, but in the summertime, in a sense. Mm-hmm. You know, you're still flying first class. Um, you're still staying in nice places. Still having these type of high-caliber teammates. I mean, Gilbert Arenas was my teammate, you know. Gil, zero. <laughs> Gil, you know? my boy. And Lamar briefly was my teammate, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, for me, it's just like, wow, this is really cool. And to be able to have an opportunity to really show people that, hey, you know, I'm just not a back-to-the-basket player that I've always kind of had this game, but I just felt fresh introducing it in this type of league because it's just like, oh, you just not going to come out here and guard me on this three? I'm about to knock it down in your face, you know? <laughs> you know? Um, so it was just a treat, and I think really when we got to go out and we see all the fans, it was like, wow, like this is big. Like this is big. Look how many people are out here and how many people will come up to the hotels to have the, the autograph signatures of your old NBA card or, you know, just, just want to get you and get a picture of you. I, I thought it was really cool. Um, just brought me back full circle and, I'm just looking forward to the next season, man. I, I really uh, I really came in to prove. Now, I know, you know, during this next season might be a target because, you know, I did I did some people out there dirty on the court. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. I, I'm looking for the challenge, and, I mean, I want a championship, so. Yeah. Yeah, man. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't know about you. They were sleeping on you because you, you were they top were five sleeping. in points. It was camp. it's crazy because i felt like i've I've seen this story my whole life seen it in high school seen it when i first got to college seen it when i first got to the league and now it's here at the big three so it's just like oh okay you don't know me oh you'll see (laughs) that's what's up that's the best way to show them bro that's that's the best way to do it absolutely absolutely and so look, I'm a huge Gilbert Arenas fan, so I gotta ask you, what in the world is it like having him as a teammate? I know he's a wild card. It's like so. stand up comedy, dude. <laughs> <laughs> like being in Dave Chappelle's room or something. He's always he's got a joke, but he's a really, really brilliant mind. Understands the game at a high, high level, and I mean, he played at a high level. He gave Kobe sixty in state sixty. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah. I always wanted to try to pick his brain. And then especially when we were in the games, just have better understanding so I can have a good rapport with him on the court. But overall, great guy, a funny guy at that. Funny as hell. And I mean. You could tell just from his IG, bro. He be, he be wild. Oh, my God. His IG is OD. And he has no yeah, filter, man. you know. None. Real. And that's what you can appreciate. Like, you're always going to get the realness from him. So I always – appreciated that and then appreciate them picking me too like i was saying like nobody didn't know if i was still playing or playing at a high level and they gave me an opportunity and i just wanted to thank them with my game on the court yeah man we'll be looking out for sure all right now craig you know man thank you so much for coming on so you're going we got a few quick hitters for you at the end i'm kind of curious to see what your answers are going to (laughs) be so for the for the first one um i'm gonna have to make you choose i'm sorry la or boston L.A. or Boston? Like, I know you're an L.A. guy, but I know you spent. I, hey, look, I did. Hey, four and years your boy Dudley on the team. I would like to know, like, did it? Did it, did it, did it, did it change up a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I became a Patriots fan. 
Tom Brady. Oh man, guy that broke. They converted you. They converted you. They converted. Well, because we don't have no. We didn't yeah, have no yeah, football was team. LA, LA, LA was, gone. was the team in yeah. LA at that time. Yeah, they're like yeah. A, you know, like a dad always disappearing, <laughs> trying to come back in later. You know, that's <laughs> our. Oh man. oh man! But I mean, I I got to watch Tom Brady's first game. Word, that's dope. Leto got hurt. Mm-hmm. So I saw that first game. I saw they came up with the stats of being an underdog and the last pick of the draft, and like it's part of my story too of mm-hmm. being that type of underdog. So it's like, how can I not watch this guy? Then he just keeps on winning. No, hey, prove them wrong. Prove them wrong. And I felt like then. If I got to talk to Tom one day, it was like, you you motivated me in levels that you didn't even know because I felt like my story was kind of similar to yours and mm-hmm. being that type of underdog and you just going out there and proving people wrong. Now, don't get me wrong. He's a GOAT. Totally different categories, but at the same time, man, it's he helped me a lot, motivated me in different ways. So um, the sports town, I have so much appreciation for because they are real, real fans. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm an L.A. guy and no – Half of these fans sometimes can be very bougie, and these are my people. <laughs> but it, it is, is what, what it is. is. It is what it is. You know, I think it's due to that the cold, the grit, mm-hmm. you know, the griminess of, you know, we got to go outside to see this game. It's like, you know, you're risking your life to go <laughs> see a, a game, you know? Even when you come out here, it's just like, ah, we got traffic because everybody want to be outside. <laughs> like that, you know? But I mean, Love home, man. I can't never. I got you. Can't never go away from my home, man. Home is home. I got you. So I, I, got got you. Got I ain't. I'm not gonna hold you to that. You know, I feel the same way. Um, <laughs> but Boston's here too, man. Hey, Boston's wonderful here city. Too. I love it. Um, all right. So MJ or Braun? You just gonna drop it? You just gonna <laughs> drop it? Let's just, hey, let, let's just rip the bandaid off. I just I look. I want to hear his perspective. Um, at the end of the day, Michael Jordan is the greatest. Six and zero. The guy's competitiveness was on another level. There's no disrespect to LeBron, but it's just a totally different era. And in that era, he dominated. Not only that, he took a break mm-hmm. and came mm-hmm. back yeah. and three peated twice. We don't know a lot of people to do three peats. The Lakers did one three peat. Mm-hmm. Kobe tried to do a second, but ended up losing to Boston that first time. So, close. so that's why, like, it's like. MJ Kobe for me, you know, because of those guys and their mentality and how they wanted to win and how you know you can't be a nice guy all the time. Nice guys don't win. Sometimes, just like um, Jim Carrey says in The Mask in an article, <laughs> Stanley Ipkiss, nice guys, why, why nice guys always finish last, yep. right? Sometimes because you don't have that mean approach. Sometimes you got to be um, – the evil guy or the the mean guy because sometimes those bring the best out of you. And we know we're in a different age and it's different rules. So you don't have to be that mean mm-hmm. in the game, but it's it's good to have in a sense. And I feel like who, who's a guy that has Draymond has that side. Yeah. It's always a good you always need that type of toughness. Mm-hmm. You know, and I felt like MJ is just one of a kind. He really okay. is. Okay. And it's just like they had they put they had to impose rules for mm-hmm. him that wasn't even a part of the NBA rule system. That's why he had to change the game. Whenever you're a good player, I feel like the league has to change its approach, either defense or whatever style. And for Jordan, it was just like he he'll dunk on you, so we gotta take him out the air. We gotta <laughs> foul him hard, you know, because yeah. this dude yeah. literally literally jump over you. 
MJ yeah. Kobe, bro, you just gained great answer. Like you just see, I already, knew, I already I'm knew I was like, I, you know, I knew he was here before we even started. Tiago's so yeah. mad right now. Um, Tiago is. Hey, so look, mad. I ain't mad. I respect. Tiago's so mad. Tiago's a Bron fan. I love, I love LeBron's game. Is Le, is LeBron one of the top players of all time? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But you got to understand, these are just different rules guys can play in. So I always feel like you can't never compare because it's just totally different eras. Yeah. If Jordan didn't have hand checking, how much would Jordan have? Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, people were like, that's why Magic Johnson had that crab dribble like at half court. Just do forearm, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. Three seconds in the key now. Jordan's taking off. Yeah. I'm just, true. And you see, you've seen it in Kobe. Cause that's that was the closest we got to Jordan because of Kobe, and you've seen that type of flair. And I mean, he had eighty-one. Yeah, he's you saw all the benefits of what Jordan could do in this era. Exactly. Is what where Kobe was. That's the closest we're gonna see. That's a no respect. Yeah, yes, respect. respect. Great answer. So, great answer. <laughs> LeBron's a great player, though. I mean, he knows all five positions, and he really makes the right plays. Sometimes mm-hmm. we feel like. You know, Jordan and Kobe are selfish, and that's why they get that type of player, you know, they're that that caliber type of player. But LeBron won't force a mean jump shot, pass it to the open guy. It's really the right play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He's more magic than he is, Jordan. Way more magic. Way more For magic. For sure. All right, and this last one, I think it's, I kind of think I know the answer to this one. Um, so your favorite arena to play in? The Garden. Oh. Wow, you flipped really? it on me. I thought she was going to say Staples yeah. Center. I mean, I love Staples. It's home. I've been in Staples a lot, but I think of being in the Big East mm-hmm. and playing in the garden, smelling that beer when you go through the tunnels, you know what I'm saying, between between the uh, the seats area, you know, when you go into the locker room. I think it was just a different vibe, and it was such um, a historic place. And for me, I felt like it was just different. It was bouncy, you know. It was... It was something special. Even when I got in the leagues, it's just like, man, I love this being in here for some reason. It's just a good feeling for me. Yeah. And I feel like I don't really know if I ever had a really bad game in college or in the league at the Garden. Because mm-hmm. I feel like everybody's played on that. It's like a Broadway stage, man. It was different. You know, before Staples, and I think Staples took the concept, you know, they used to darken you know, the seat areas and would brighten up the court like as if it was its own theater, you know? So, like, just feeling that atmosphere and going out and playing, like, there's just nothing like it. You walk in, you see the old school pictures of different people who had concerts there or played in the game. And, and in my mind, it's always iconic when Jordan does that move. I'm going to go baseline. Now I'm going to go back with the psych. I'm going back baseline. Here you go. All in your mouth. <laughs> so just having those type of memories. And um, I mean, I'm a big fan of Bernard King. Mm-hmm. I mean, that guy Lucky. was a bucket. Lucky. So for me, that the garden, the garden does it for me. You. And now one thing I wanted to say too, uh, I got to spend some time looking at your Instagram and it's very inspiring, super motivating. It's really nice to look at. But um, outside of you being an athlete, I seen in your in your bio you said aspiring writer. So I, I was wanted to see if you could speak to you know what are some type of things that you're thinking about creating or, or what's like what's next for Craig? Yeah, so 
I started to develop this uh, writing in uh, Jerusalem where I got to write about my experiences of being an LA kid, NBA guy um, living in Jerusalem. I would do like a weekly blog and I would have some pretty cool experiences. Um, from there, it helped motivate me because I understand I was starting to go around and talk to the young youth um, just to try to inspire them on whatever their goals and dreams are to uh, to want to write some children's books. So I'm actually in the in the work, especially right now, just trying to develop it more and more. I think I've become a perfectionist because it's like I'll have one done and think I'm done. It's like, no, nah, I don't want to do that no more. Like I want to I want to make sure I'm doing something else and doing it right. I just want it to be perfect because I just want to inspire a generation um, just to go out and be their best self. Um, don't worry about the doubt, turn negatives into positives and you can really do anything that you put your mind to. So I think that's what set me up to be a, a creator writer um, to where I can talk about these things through my story and hopefully down the lines end up creating some things as well to, to where I can hopefully put it on, you know, the big screen or TV one day as well. So I see that as my passion going forward a little bit of, you know, just still keeping it in with the youth, inspiring them, but just tr trying to create content that I think will be good and necessary um, just for the future. That's awesome, man. Like, I, I actually, I can't wait till you start releasing things like I love when athletes do stuff like this because your stories are so compelling. And like you were talking about earlier, confidence, man, you got to have confidence. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's great for people to be able to read that from someone else to see your perspective, see your story, see how you grinded it out. And, you, you know, you really had, ended up having a great career and you, you're doing to do great things for people. So that's 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 amazing, brother. Thank you. I appreciate that. Cliff. Thank you. I got an eight month old. So <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, he's going to need some books soon. So. <laughs> Some, some Craig Smith books that like, probably dope. be the hookup. Right <laughs> so I'm gonna keep my eye out because I'm I'm gonna definitely I'm I'm probably gonna slide one of those because yeah. it's it'd be a cool story to tell my son and I'll be like yeah I talked to this dude one time it's dope. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Craig man, thank you so much for coming on, spending time with us, bro. Triple overtime, we appreciate it so much, bro. Thank you so much for coming out. Yeah, I go Tony Cliff. It was my pleasure. Thank you guys so much. You guys are doing a fantastic job. You guys keep it up. Stay well, stay strong, stay positive. For sure. Thank you, brother. Appreciate, Appreciate you. you, man. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of Triple Overtime. Big shout out to Craig Smith. Be sure to follow him on Instagram at BlackRhino83. Uh, you guys already know what to do. Go to all the socials at 3OT Podcast. Comment, come talk to us, and be sure on all podcasting platforms that you subscribe to the channel so you can see all the content that we're releasing. Until next time, peace.